Chocolate. 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 From Dame Cacao, I'm Max Gandy, and this is Chocolate on the Road, the show where we explore hot topics surrounding cacao and chocolate cultures around the world. So let's hit the road. A quick editor's note. This episode was researched in January and produced in March. All of the makers I interviewed were spoken with in their factories with machinery on. Here I'm speaking of the Singapore that I visited then, in January, three months ago, and the one I hope to go back to when all of this is over. So for now, stay safe, stay home, and enjoy the episode. Singapore is a tropical country in Southeast Asia. It's known as an international business hub, populated by locals and transplants from around the world. Similar to their northern neighbor of Malaysia, the native blend of the country is made up of Chinese, Indian, and Malay peoples. In fact, Singapore used to be part of Malaysia. This was after being a British colony and up until it officially became independent in 1965. But after independence, Singapore didn't immediately transform into a global banking hub. Over the course of a few decades, Singaporeans toiled to make the country into the financially successful and safe nation it is today. Many Singaporeans still remember the country as it was. They're reluctant to spend money on luxuries like chocolate, even today. Singapore, overall, remains behind most other developed countries insofar as chocolate culture. Yet young Singaporeans aren't keen on living in their grandparents' world. Their country has changed, and so has their lifestyle. It's all about balancing work and enjoyment. For Singaporeans in their 20s and 30s, this means savoring a fancy cup of coffee, or a bar of chocolate. Yet the strong Chinese influence upon the country's culture is also important to note. It affects how many people see certain foods, but also the fashionable aspect behind their consumption. People want to understand their foods, where they come from, how they got there, and why they taste so good. In this episode, we talked to four people answering those questions about chocolate. The first two people we'll hear from are two of the first bean-to-bar chocolate makers in the country. My name is Jay. I'm a chocolate maker. Hi, I'm Karis. I'm a chocolate maker too. Jay and Karis make up two-thirds of Fossa Chocolate, a Singaporean company which takes cacao beans and turns them into delicious chocolate. We started about three and a half to four years ago. So it started out as a hobby, just after work, just trying to make some chocolates at home. And after a while, you know, we, we just wanted to bring it to market and let people try. So we decided to rent a space that lasted for about one and a half years. Uh, eventually, we decided to just quit our job and, and plunge into this wholeheartedly. Both Jay and Karis are part of the millennial generation, the youngest in the Singaporean workforce at the moment. In a lot of ways, they represent their customer base. With flavors like salted egg cereal and sake kasu, they're definitely offering grown-up chocolates. Add these to their single-origin lineup, and Fossa differentiates itself from the start. What do people usually say when they try your chocolate for the first time? 
and they've only ever had more mass-produced things. When they taste our dark chocolate, means yeah. our Singapore origin dark chocolate, they generally, I think the consensus is that it's more intense, it's more complex flavors. So rather than just being bitter, there's a lot more flavors going on. So that's what we like to hear. But I think maybe 70% of our customers, they are attracted, they are drawn to the flavor bars that we produce. So when we taste the when they taste the chocolate bars, um, that has got interesting flavors like you know tea infused in there, that changes people's perception of chocolate because you know chocolates in the market uh, are mostly either dark chocolate, milk chocolate, or white chocolate, right? Usually all with all with inclusion of nuts. So very seldom you'll see chocolate with other flavors in there. So we're just trying to kind of present a different form. What are your most popular bars right now? I know that you move in and out with different batches but what do people generally keep coming back for or asking about mm, currently it's the hong cha the tea bars we have hong cha oolong jasmine and the dark shit yeah i think there's a pretty new um flavor in singapore like you don't really find all the tea chocolates in the groceries as well so the chocolate itself they have like um very dis- distinctive notes like the hong cha is like this lychee floral uh, a little bit of fruitiness as well so it's something fresh and new. What is the most popular chocolate type product in Singapore? I think Singaporeans are generally not really big chocolate eaters. Compared to other countries, definitely you know, chocolate is a very small part of our diet. So probably chocolate pass is the most common uh, just because of the shelf life and its uh, shelf stability. In very few places, you will find chocolate bonbons or ganache because they just don't move very fast on the shelf so very few places would have the proper storage facility or even enough volume to make sure that it's fresh things that come to mind usually when people say dark chocolate would be lean lint? yeah they're mm-hmm. found very commonly across all the supermarkets is there now still a pretty large chocolate manufacturing sector in Singapore? Singapore is actually a pretty big chocolate manufacturer with mass-produced ones. We used to be a major cocoa grinding country, but somehow this has shifted over to other countries, to Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But yeah. logistics Men's cost power. is very low here in Singapore because everything is very efficient. So, of course. Yeah. So, uh, it's a very big trading hub. Mm-hmm. Everybody used to have a factory here in Singapore, but I think they've already moved out. The factory is still there. Mondelez also. So, if you are talking about big-scale production, definitely there are, there's a presence here. How would you describe Singaporean consumers as a whole, in general? I think Singaporean consumers are pretty adventurous when it comes to tasting things. Anything that is new and, and not heard of, something that's interesting, people will try at least once. Yeah, whether they like it or not, uh, it's a different story. Besides that, it's also very trend-driven. So if you see like a salted egg and it starts to get trendy, more and more uh, manufacturers and uh, restaurants will start to serve these dishes. It just explodes. You know, everyone will, will, will eat this. But trends come and go. So we'll see the trend coming in, you know, staying for almost a year before people move on. Yeah, but uh, in the recent years, Singaporeans have been pretty supportive towards local brands, I think, which is a very good 
helps the local business to grow better, to produce like things. Yeah. Do Singaporeans usually support more local brands that are mass-produced or artisanal? Do they have any inclination towards supporting something more because it's smaller? Or is like local is just local is king? It doesn't matter if it's big or a small batch. Uh, I think there are not much small batch producers in Singapore just because of the economics of doing it. Yeah, so you see new small batch makers coming in but you know it, they may not last as as long. Yeah, plus you can't sell like food items from your house, like home baked stuff. It's not allowed in Singapore. So I think this like you need to rent a space. So I think this add a additional like um expenses to yeah, your business. The barrel of entry mm. is pretty high. Have I mentioned that Singapore is the world's most expensive city to live in? The cost of renting production space alone starts at a few thousand dollars a month. While there are certainly other challenges, this has been one big issue for the young chocolate market. This luxury pricing also has very few models to look back on, though one definitely stands out. So what is the price relative to size for, for example, you're saying a Royce versus a regular convenience store versus your bars? Like if you were to go to a convenience store, about how much would a 50 gram bar cost? Uh, well, we haven't gone to the market for a while. Mm. But just top of my mind, I think um, the lean bar is probably 6 to $7. But uh, our bars are $12 for 50, 50 grams. Mm, so about four four times. Yeah, so lean is $6. 100 grams. Yeah. And these are Singaporean dollars, so your bars are actually about 8 US dollars. It's like two-thirds, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We, we try to price ours at a sweet spot, you know, where it's accessible, it's not too expensive, so people can enjoy without, you know, worrying about their pocket so much. I mean, for context, a latte is like $7. Maybe $5 if you find the right cafe. Yeah. So it's like tw- like two lattes. Yeah. There are, there are some places that has that brings in specialty coffee and uh some really special lots. Those can go as high as twelve dollars or even higher per cup. But those those are coffee that when you try it, it's an experience. An experience is definitely what consumers are looking for, at least in Singapore. They want to know everything about that product. And Singapore's young coffee culture has been the main precursor for that curiosity. One person who's observed coffee's rise is Ronald Ng, founder of Singapore's Le Mule Chocolate. During our interview, I asked Ronald about the rise of specialty coffee in Singapore. What about coffee? Well, I, w- I would say coffee um, about 15 years ago. The first cafe which I've actually popped into was Starbucks. At that time, I was thinking that, you know, uh, it's too expensive to drink that kind of coffee. It doesn't really give me the kind of satisfaction because it's not as strong as the local coffee, um, especially with condensed milk. So these were the, the yeah, yes, yes, those were, the, you know, just like Vietnamese coffee, you know, the, the same thing. You know, so uh, we, we grew up with all these kind of coffee. So it didn't really give us that kind of, well, yes, yes, yes. 
But uh, you know, after seeing you know more and more millennials, the younger generations enjoying a cup of coffee slowly, enjoying the environment, it's more safer. So Ronald echoed the sentiment of Jay and Karis. People are seeing coffee and chocolate as extensions of their lifestyles. But while specialty coffee finds some representatives in Starbucks and the like, chocolate doesn't really have that. Or, I mean. Do we? When we actually launched Hello Chocolate, the Mars Brothers was already like quite popular in Singapore and quite well known. I think it was represented in some places like Din De Luca and so on, and people knew about it. This is Dima Minkov, co-founder of Hello Chocolate in Singapore. I'll get back to Ronald in a bit because the next chapter of our story really goes back half a decade before Jay or Karis or Ronald ever started selling chocolate. Dima started Hello Chocolate with his wife Nina exactly five years ago this month. Mass Brothers Chocolate from New York City was one of their first brands as a company. We started this business mostly online. It was launched like during one of the like fine food pop-ups in in Singapore in 2015. So our business was growing from online, and uh, still online is is the the crucial part of it. And we saw a lot of traffic and a lot of like requests uh, containing like Mars Brothers chocolate from from Singapore. So it it was already quite popularized by by the brand. I would say people already like kind of knew about the concept of craft chocolate through through the popularity of those two bearded guys. So similar to the work of Starbucks and other specialty coffee shops abroad, five years ago, Singaporeans were bringing craft chocolate home. This is not to say that there aren't any homegrown specialty coffee shops in Singapore, because there certainly are, but to say that Singaporeans were often first exposed to specialty foods outside of the country itself. Then they brought that desire to consume them again back home. How do you think the travel culture and the multiculturality of Singapore? Has affected the country's chocolate consumption and the establishment of a craft chocolate industry. I would answer yes to your question, because I think what people of Singapore love to do is just to explore some new stuff while traveling, and uh, they're traveling a lot. They're willing to learn and uh, they're willing to experience some new things. And uh, chocolate was part of it. Our first customers were those customers who were traveling a lot. And if, for example, we were kind of dig. From time to time, into like Google Analytics and trying to analyze the audience that uh, that uh, that is visiting our store and that is purchasing craft uh, chocolate. And uh, I would say that among their interests, I would say travel would be the biggest part of their interests. Dima and his wife were ready to meet and expand that demand for fine chocolate, but first they needed to make sure it was real. What were the first steps you took? To establish Hello Chocolate in Singapore, it was April 2015. It was one of the fine food shows that had、uh, several celebrity chefs on board, and it was open for public. They can try different fine food in small portions. So it's it's quite popular concept. So、uh, we offered to establish a booth along some some other fine food, like in, importers and makers and and so on. And we decided to use this opportunity as a test for our idea of actually starting to work with craft chocolate. So we brought several brands 
Uh, I think it was like four brands from around the world, from Greece, from Ecuador, all of them craft chocolate brands. And uh, we decided to test the customer response to, to the whole idea. And it was, I think, three, four days like event. And the response was really, really amazing. So that is how we decided that we really need to do and to, to continue developing this concept. Which was like, again, initially it was purely assortment oriented. I wouldn't say that we digged deeper into the whole like supply chain and the whole problem with cacao beans. But again, we just realized that this business can, can exist. And it was like the most like encouraging point for us. And since then, in general, we stuck with the idea of craft chocolate. Are there any sort of commonalities in what people like? You don't have to name any brands or anything, but do people tend to like darker or lighter chocolates? I would say darker. So the, the fastest growing segment is 100% chocolate because like health issues and sugar consumption is a big thing in general. And people like trying to be fit. That's like, I would say like, despite all the concerns about uh, diabetes in Singapore and so on, um, Singapore is probably one of the healthiest nations and they're like very concerned about their sugar consumption and so 100% or 80% and above so those chocolates where you, where you can really taste the taste of cacao uh, this is one thing main sales are in the segment of, of dark chocolate and uh, one of the best selling products in our collection is uh, Barra Infernale pistachio by Francois Pralou. So it's also something like sophisticated desserts, something that is with praline inside that can be very easily shared with friends, that, but that nevertheless it is covered with single origin dark chocolate. But I would say again, so raw chocolate, 100% chocolate segment is growing quite fast. Now, five years later, the Singaporean palate has changed a bit sophisticated and expanded, if you will. But Hello Chocolate is still going strong, offering more varied and unique bars as some people become more interested in nutrition facts than flavors. They have a mission in educating consumers about the multifaceted benefits of craft. The, the main message that we, we would like to share is stop eating mass market chocolate or so-called chocolate because it's it's bad for everything. The whole like like business model is is very harmful and very toxic. And currently, the mass market chocolate makers and big like industrial chocolate mass producers, they're currently hostages of of the situation that they by themselves created. Undoubtedly, the presence of more places to buy fine chocolate has helped everyone. The situation that Dima was talking about is the issues with the supply chain. At the end of 2019, there were strikes in big cocoa cultivating countries, and people are up in arms about the use of child labor. People want quality chocolate, and they don't want to harm others in the process. But honestly, most people still don't know much about the problems in cocoa. As you can see from the growth of both Fossa and Hello Chocolate, people with the means to will buy better chocolate. That is, if they know it's there. 
Fossa chocolate is still selling only online, even four years later. Only one company jumped right into retail, and that's Ronald's company, the Mule Chocolate. My name is Ronald. I'm uh, one of the co-founders for uh, Lemoyle Chocolate. And we started this craft chocolate business together with my one of my classmates, uh, Mr. Hideki-san, whom we actually started together in Germany, specialized in chocolate and sugar confectionery technology. And we actually started in 2017. But prior to that, he actually showed me this craft chocolate cafe in Tokyo, Dandelion. I brought my family there. I decided that I should go into craft chocolates because I, I thought Singaporeans should not miss out with these you know, amazing kind of uh, chocolates available there. Three years after starting Lemieux, and they're still the only physical bean-to-bar chocolate shop in Singapore. Because even though demand has grown, it hasn't exactly exploded. Craft chocolate has had a very slow burn in Singapore and not much has changed even in the last three years. This is dissimilar to nearby Thailand or Taiwan, where demand has exploded. It goes back to the fact of Singapore's strong Chinese heritage, and it's hot weather. So when you were a kid growing up in Singapore, what kinds of chocolates do you remember eating, if any at all? Yes, um, well, I'm actually a big fan of Van Houten, because my dad actually works in Van Houten. So he likes to bring back some chocolates, you know, so especially the small little ones, they call it the Neapolitans. So I, I grew up with these kind of chocolates. And uh, finally, when he started his own chocolate factory, that's where I started to like chocolates with nuts. So I grew up with chocolates. Was this typical of Singapore at the time, like 30, 40 years ago, that kids were able to eat chocolates? Well, not exactly. Those days, chocolate is something luxury. Not many people, have, or especially the kids, will have the chance to taste good chocolate. I think there were a lot of these so-called chocolates imported from China. And they were not chocolates. I think they were using some vegetable fats. But um, those kids uh, love to eat those because they were cheap, affordable. Those days, there were not many big brands around because this market is still considered very small for some of these big companies to actually venture into. And there were only a couple of brands available there. And those days, I think Van Houten is one of the prominent ones, followed by probably Nestle. They were here. And it's only a few years, and you see that there will be Hershey's and uh, Cadbury's coming in. You know, that time, there were no Ferrero Rogers or whatsoever. You know, those days, nothing. I would still say that, you know... Um, is the, uh, about affordability those days. And one of the very common understanding among my parents or olden days, the parents would always try to stop kids from eating chocolate because it says, well, it's heaty, it's sweet, and it's not healthy, you know. So they have no idea of some of the, the benefits of eating some of these really good chocolates. So Singapore has a strong Chinese heritage from migration long ago, and there is a Chinese belief that chocolate is a heating food, so you shouldn't eat it in hot weather, right? Yes, yes, yes. Especially in uh, countries like us, it's always humid and warm. Yes, I would say it's the belief that uh, the Chinese from the past always think that, you know, city, it actually caused fever, 
toothaches and, and all kinds of illnesses that may eating chocolates too often. Yes. So is this still a local understanding of chocolate? What what do locals think of chocolate in Singapore? Well, I I I would say that there has been a vast change over the years, generations. I would say more and more the millennials or even the the late boomers they starting to understand eating chocolates is no longer like we were kids. You know, we snack on chocolates. It's more about enjoying eating a good piece of chocolate. It's like a lifestyle. What would you say that Singaporeans' taste in chocolates and desserts is like after selling pastries and bonbons and bars? What is most attractive for people? What are your best sellers? Well, the bonbons. Uh, the bonbons are, I would say, the main draw of crowd into our shop. Uh, reason is because of the beautiful colors and the, the design of the bonbons has actually attracted a lot of people. With the daring creation of the the centers that we have, this is the one of the main draw. But I will always lead them to the craft chocolate bars, and I started to you know introduce what these chocolates are all about. And what are the most popular flavors in the the bonbons and the bars? Okay, for the bars, I would say fruitiness. A lot of uh, Singaporeans actually identify. Very quickly, the fruitiness in the chocolate bars. With his own retail shop, Ronald runs into some logistical issues that will definitely stump the industry's growth, and in a way that coffee just hasn't had to deal with in the same way. Ridiculously high rent. What have been your main challenges of building your business as a retail shop in Singapore? Space is one of them. Rental is high. Uh, rental is pretty crazy here, and the other challenge is actually the supply of the beans, because we are a very small batch chocolate maker. We don't buy big volume of uh, beans. We usually buy 100 to 150 kilos, and it's difficult for us to ocean freight all these beans. And most of the beans are all aerated, and uh, the cost is very high. The other challenge I would say is hiring. I always find that uh, we don't have the right people who have the right mindset and passion for chocolate. This is one of my critical requirement for being, you know, one of our crew. Other challenges I would say is still, you know, Singaporeans love new things. Yeah, they're always looking out for new things. Do not want to come into the shop and say, "Oh, the same old thing." With coffee, people generally think of merely a beverage and the beans it's made from. But with chocolate, you can have hot cocoa or chocolate cake or a chocolate bar. The possibilities are endless, and people just aren't as familiar with cocoa beans as they are with coffee beans. But these endless possibilities mean that customers' expectations are also rising. Add to that the high cost of materials, and it's a wonder that any craft chocolate maker stays in business. But consumers just don't realize that. They expect the same level of quality and creativity, but aren't yet willing to withstand a tenfold price increase, as has happened in coffee. So while coffee may have paved the way in terms of flavor, for Singaporeans, chocolate's still got to prove itself. It needs to be proved more worthy of their money, both when they're at home and on the road.
you so much for listening to this episode of Chocolate on the Road. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and share it in any way you see fit. Your support makes all the effort put into each episode worth it. An especially huge thank you this week to Jay, Karis, Ronald, and Dima for being in this episode. To learn more about our guests, check out the show notes for this episode at the link in the description or on my website at damecacao.com. That's D-A-M-E-C-A-C-A-O dot C-O-M. Have a wonderful day, stay inside, and I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road.